So, when was your last checkup? Oh no, not you. Although that's important too, but when was your last vehicle checkup? When it comes to service, nobody knows your Chevy better than your local Chevy dealer. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to schedule an appointment today. Collegiately speaking. And we're underway. Needs a block on the picker. He gets it. And will he go the distance? Yes, he will. As the Hokies deliver the dagger here in Tallahassee. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win. Unbelievable. Here's Collegiately Speaking, your one-stop shop for college football news. Collegiately Speaking. With Dave Eddy and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountain? Collegiately Speaking. You know, someday we have to find out if Dan Person really can throw a football over that mountain. Hi everybody, welcome to Collegiately Speaking from WGNRadio.com for This week, as the college football season heads into the month of November, a critical month, uh, we're with you every week. Take a look at uh, happenings in and around college football, around the Big Ten, around the Northwestern Wildcats, the team that uh, we bring you on WGN Radio. And it's a pleasure to be joined by former Wildcat quarterback, number seven, Dan Person. Dan, how are you? Doing great. Always great to be here. It's a, a big week. It's Iowa week. And if memory serves me correctly, you made your first real meaningful appearance uh, for the Wildcats in a game out of Kinnick Stadium. And I write about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the week before I came in against Penn State, uh, but Iowa, you know, I, I knew I was going to have a big role in that game. And um, we ended up pulling off a pretty big upset with. Mike Kafka and I kind of tag teaming it. Um, so yeah, it was it's obviously a great memory there and, and one of my first meaningful uh, games for sure. You know, we've been hearing for 26 years how Northwestern, going back to the Gary Barnett era, has kind of circled that Iowa game on the calendar. And partly because I think Iowa had dominated for so long and and Gary picked out a team on the schedule that and, and a program that they wanted to try to emulate and so there was always a little something special when iowa week came around and i wonder from your perspective as a player and having been involved in that did you sense that when it was time to play the hawkeyes yeah i think at the end of the day it was always an important game right um, even before division uh a division rivalry it was it was a game that we took really seriously we competed against every year in recruiting and and for the big ten titles and um yeah it it was a funny thing right because it was it was a little bit manufactured i think at the end of the day in the mid nineties it it probably had a little bit more you know nastiness to it um because of some of the background stuff that you all know about. Um, but you know, we always, we always really respected Iowa. They played really hard. They were guys just like us. Um, so, so it was, it, it's, it's always interesting to hear about it being like this, this nasty relationship, but it's, it's more of just like a, a competitive rivalry that we took very seriously. And if, if we wanted to be competing in the big 10, we had to, you know, win that game. So I think that that was the more important 
point to us. And it's really kind of worked out that way. I mean, it's that's proven to be the case. Coming up on Collegiately Speaking, along with Dan, we're going to visit with my partner on Wildcat Games on WGN, Ted Albrecht, and also visit with Northwestern tight end Charlie Mangieri. Interesting guy who's a senior now, and this Northwestern offense gives us a little perspective on them and where they go from here. But uh, right now, let's bring in Ted Albrecht uh, to join us here on Collegiately Speaking. Teddy boy, how are you? Hey, good, Dave. Good, Dave. Danny Persaw, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I wish the uh, the Cats were playing a little bit better, but, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> well, that's, that's first and foremost uh, on the topic uh, list today. Ted, we called the game on Saturday, a 41-14 loss to Minnesota. I'll be honest with you, I I thought Minnesota was coming in uh, with a head of steam, three straight wins, the potential to win that game and take control of it and take control of the Big Ten West if they could. But quite frankly, I didn't see it being as lopsided a game as it turned out to be. And I know they scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, so the final score looks a little more lopsided than, than maybe it felt. But if you look at the numbers, uh, I mean, the rushing yardage for Minnesota was out of this world. Not that that's a surprise, except you consider they've lost three running backs to injury over the course of the season, another one on Saturday, and yet they still kept running the ball and, and having great success on the ground. And in a second, I'll tell you why they did that. But here we go, back-to-back weeks. We faced a two-headed monster up there at the big house with Hawkins and Blake Corum. They averaged 182 a game. And then we saw, even worse, the three-headed monster, right? <laughs> so between Bryce Williams and Kai Thomas and Marquise Irving, you know, they each scored a touchdown against Maryland. So these guys are really active. But here's how I can answer your question or your comment, is that when you have an offensive line with the kind of experience that, uh, that Minnesota has, I mean, they're over 200 starts combined. And then you, then you look at the way they worked the clock. These guys, the reason they run and they work the clock in unison, they take that clock down below 10 seconds, the play clock, every single time, sometimes down as much as five and three seconds. So they control the game. They slow down the game. And if you look at their possession, time of possession, they are plus 11 plus 11 on the year and against us i mean it was ridiculous it was two to one so they could i think they're they're in the driver's seat there's no question minnesota controls based on iowa losing a week ago uh you now have minnesota with this big offensive line an efficient quarterback that it can control their destiny right down to indianapolis for the championship game you know, the other thing I think it does, Ted, is it's not only helping them control the clock offensively, but it's also helping their defense stay fresh, right? I mean, that defense was very well rested when the fourth quarter came around, unlike Northwestern's. And so if you look at it from that standpoint, uh, this this defense has played, I think, pretty well. You know, I think if you, if you look at them statistically uh it wasn't necessarily thought of as a huge strength for them coming in i mean they've lost guys over the years like antoine winfield and and others who've played for them and and yet uh they, they that's a really good defensive team well dave i think one big stat that kind of 
comp- uh, that is glaring when you talk about their defense. They're fifth in the conference in, 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 in third down conversions. They've done a really good job of getting off the field. And you're absolutely right. If you go three and out, and we have done, we've gone three and out in that game, I mean, I think three or four times, and you put the, you put the defense right back on the field. You talked about how they scored three touchdowns in the final quarter, in the final period. Well, why and how do they do that? Because we're on the field. Our defense is on the field. I mean, you know, double of what their defense is on the field. And so it really wears on our defense, and they get to rest. There's no question it's a combination of we're going to slow the game down, we're going to control the clock, and guess what, D, you don't have to be on the field that long. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, Ted, it was it was kind of the similar formula that they saw against Michigan, right? Ball control, Northwestern couldn't really stay on the field. You know, as a defense, what are some things they could potentially do, right? Is it taking more risks? Is it, you know, more pressure? They just have to find a way to disrupt the, the other offenses, especially with the, the superior run games and, and not getting a ton of help from the offensive side of the ball. Is there anything else, you know, as a defense they can do to, you know, make, create more turnovers, more disruption, things of that nature? Well, I will, I will tell you this. I got an inside secret from Tim McGargle when I was at practice last week. He said, if you want to beat anybody in the Big Ten, and let's talk about Minnesota, if you want to do anything in the Big Ten, you got to stop the run. You got to you got to have you got to be a sure tackling team, and you have to come up with some assets. And he's referring to turnovers, any kind of asset. And you know they they didn't do that on Saturday, and so it's it's hard to be it's hard to be creative creative on defense when first of all you can't stop the run. You know, right? And, and you can't control the game if you can't stop the run. Not only in this conference, but any at any level of football. Yeah, I think it's it's a basic tenet of, of defense, and and frankly, the game. I think switching over to the offensive side of the ball. I was there in the stands, and I, I know you guys were obviously there um, when they made the quarterback change. And I think Andrew Marty might be a little limited given his his nagging injury. But at least I felt a change in, in whether it's momentum, attitude, energy in the offense when, when he came in. Did you did you feel the same thing? Any insight of, of what we could see against Iowa with, with the two different quarterbacks? Absolutely. That's I, I love that. He came in with energy, with an attitude. I mean, that very first run, he goes for nine yards on the inside, inside zone read. He keeps the ball. And I mean, he just goes right over the mid of their defensive line. I thought that was so impressive. And I think that, you know, Ryan Zielinski, unfortunately, you know, he started in the second half, both Michigan and this last game against Minnesota, where he started missing receivers, wide open receivers. And I think Coach Fitz just thought it was a time to make a change. And um, and he, he didn't want to put Marty in last week or two weeks ago against Michigan because it was out of hand at that point. So now he brought him in, I think, at the right time. And remember, he hadn't played in over a month. So sure, you get some throws and practice and stuff. But listen, this offense is now now averaging in the last four games 13 points a game. That's it. Last week, they were 11 points. So it's not getting much better. They got to do something. All right. So you got Iowa coming in this week. Now the Hawkeyes... Ted, you and I were sitting in Lincoln, Nebraska, watching them on a Friday night at Maryland. I think that was a trendy pick that weekend to pick the Terps to pull off the upset. And uh, I think we know what happened that night in College Park. The final was 51-14 to Iowa. 
a Maryland with a ton of turnovers that really setting up Iowa in short fields all night long. Then Iowa goes home and beats Penn State. Big win for them. Penn State was ranked fourth at the time. Hawkeyes got up to number two in the rankings. It's homecoming in Iowa City. Purdue comes in and puts a beating on them, 24-7. Iowa, in that game, four interceptions. They allowed 378 yards through the air. Then last week, coming off a bye, they go up to Camp Randall. They fumble three times and uh, lose to Wisconsin 27-7. So 51-14, they've been outscored the last two games, equaling their winning score against Maryland. That's how things have turned around for Iowa the last couple of weeks. But still, you look at them, and a lot of the ingredients that got them off to that great start, and they're still ranked in the first playoff rankings, a lot of those ingredients are still there for them. Absolutely, Dave. And, you know, they're 22nd. They fell from number two to 22. And they still have a lot of, I think, very uh, impressive players. I mean, they are... You know, by the way, they wouldn't have beat Penn State if Penn State's quarterback didn't finish that game because he was a difference maker. He got hurt in that game when they were hosting Penn State and really the bottom fell out. But they they really had their up and down. But listen, they're also in the driver's seat. Okay, I mean, you know, they they can they can beat they can beat a Minnesota and anything can happen head to head. And then you've got Wisconsin can lose again. I mean, there's a lot. They're still in it. So they're coming here to play us on Saturday, and I still think they're going to be hungry. Dan, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think it's it's another similar story, right? Um, at the end of the day, Iowa, while ranked number two, they probably weren't the second best team in the country. To Ted's point, Penn State, I think, would have that, that game could have gotten ugly if Clifford didn't get hurt the way things were going. Um, and their margin of error, like every other year, is very small. So when you turn over the ball four times or have four interceptions or three fumbles, you know they don't they don't have the capacity to catch up. Um, on the flip side of that, they control the ball really well when they don't turn it over. Right? They're similar to Minnesota and Michigan in the in their kind of offensive philosophy and, and kind of ball control. And if Petrus is is playing well, he's he's pretty good. He's he's an efficient guy. He's a very strong arm. Um, but again, it's, it's kind of two sides of the coin with, with his play. It's either feast or famine, right? It's, it's a perfect game or, or something that gets ugly quick. So, you know, I think it's going to be a similar kind of matchup as we've seen the last two weeks. They're going to be run heavy. They're going to test the defense. And if we can't stop that, if Northwestern can't stop the run, um, they're just going to have more problems. So I think at the end of the day, um, they're going to have to get something going on offense to take some pressure off the defense and, and find a way to stop the run. It's, it's as simple as that. All right, Dan, and that getting something going on offense, we saw some flashes again. Andrew Marty, uh, who came in for Ryan Holinsky on Saturday and looked like he was coming in kind of as a red zone guy when he first came into the game and ended up playing the rest of the game until uh, finally they put Richardson in late with the game pretty much decided. Uh, what do you see from Marty? What? Why does this team seem to respond to him? Yeah, I think it's two things. Obviously, first, I'm biased to any quarterback that is a little bit more mobile and and has has some toughness. But I think while while Holinsky is a really talented player, he's he's just not really a, a threat to run the ball or to to evade sacks in the pocket. So I think when Marty comes in, he brings an aspect of 
of physicality and, and, you know, being able to make up for some of the mistakes that an offensive lineman would make by breaking a tackle and, and scrambling. Um, the other thing that I think is, is not really tangible, but um, his leadership, I think the guys really love him. Um, he's a great kid. He, he works really hard. He's been around the program forever. And I think people just respond to him um, for whatever reason. And, and again, with, with any great player in sports, the, the best leaders bring the best out of their teammates. And I think that's, that's what's happening. So, Frankly, I'd be shocked if after that game, if he doesn't start uh, or at least play a much more meaningful part of the game um, earlier in the game. Um, but we'll see. I think I think he at this point, the way they're playing, he gives the the, the Cats the the best chance to beat Iowa, given the way he can run the ball and keep things alive with his feet. And see, I remember a mobile quarterback coming yes. in against the Hawkeyes. <laughs> hey, Dave, exactly. I'm fine. Although, I you- remember this. What's, I remember this mobile quarterback that started against Vandy and ran for 98 and threw for two, 298, and, he, and I think wow. he's on the other line with us. <laughs> you talk about a guy who could had escapability, could get out of trouble. Man, I love to watch those highlights. Although, yeah, no, I appreciate <laughs> You weren't the only one, though, Dan. It seems like the guy who played before you could, could move around a little bit, Mike Kafka. And then, uh, and and Kane Coulter was a pretty good runner too. I uh, that's yeah. that's one area in which I think Northwestern had a wealth of mobile quarterbacks during that time. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the way college football is trending, you know, the quarterback has to be a threat to run or at least evade pressure um, because the offenses are so spread out and, and there's really good players on defense. And I think it just brings an added dynamic. You see it, you know, at the Oklahoma's and the other, the Ohio States and the other big time programs, uh, Alabama, all these quarterbacks are, are pretty mobile. So again, I'm very biased, obviously. Um, but I think especially in the offense that Northwestern runs and, and given the lineage of, of quarterbacks that have done well at Northwestern, it just, it behooves us to have a quarterback that can move around a little bit more um, but again, that's not to say someone who, who can't move um, or can't be effective. I just think it's it again. I'm I'm biased towards a mobile quarterback. I had a feeling you were. Uh, let's jump right. to the college football playoff rankings. We have the first edition of the rankings out this week. Uh, the top four, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, and Oregon. Ohio State with that one loss to the Ducks just on the outside of the, the top four at number five, followed by Cincinnati. And I know the Bearcats aren't happy with where they are. But, uh, Ted, your initial thoughts on the rankings that were announced this week? I agree with most of it because Georgia and Alabama are going to play each other. Bama's got to play Auburn at the end of the year. Michigan State's you know, got to go and, and play uh, against um, – Ohio State, they got Penn State at home on the 27th after Thanksgiving. So all this is going to really work itself out. It doesn't really make any difference as long as you're somewhere in the top, I would say, even seven. You know, if if Alabama loses again, they're out. They've got two losses, they're out. So it really leaves a lot of space for other guys to come in. And I think Oregon, you know, they lost to Stanford, but they went down there and they were really beat up. They're much healthier now. They're much. They're playing much better. But Cincinnati has got to hope and pray that Notre Dame goes an eleven and one, beats Stanford yep. towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. That's their only hope because you got you got Michigan staring you down your back, and you got Michigan State. Hey, Michigan State, they they, they got two big games. I just talked about two big games, and then Oregon. 
They got to win out and they got to win the big, big big 12 championship game or Pac-12 championship game. So I'm in, I think it's fine the way it looks right now. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's really fair, right? I think when you look at the the AP poll previous to the to the rankings, you kind of scratch your head about some of those. But I think maybe outside of Alabama, I do think they're probably the second best team in the country. But the fact that they dropped to, to A and M, who's who's a good team, um, but a little further down the rankings, maybe they should be outside. Um, but at the end of the day, they should be able to control their own destiny. I think you know, uh, Cincinnati's like Ted said, they're just going to need a lot of help. Uh, and, and while it's a great story and a great program, personally, I don't think, you know, there, if it's a one win against, uh, you know, a, a top 20 or, you know, between 10 and 20 ranked Notre Dame, I don't think that's enough to, to get you past a, a conference champion in the Big 12 or the Big 10. So I think they're going to need some chaos to get in. But overall, I thought it was very, very fair. Do you guys go with Kenneth Walker as the Heisman winner at the moment? Yeah, why not? So. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> the guy scored five TDs, and then last week, and 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 Dave, he's he's averaging. I think uh, I think he's averaging uh, over 175 yards a game. He's unbelievable. Yeah, we saw him first. Right, yeah. <laughs> that opener. By the way, the Wildcats were three point favorites going into that game against Michigan State. Uh, I I don't think I don't think too many people knew just how good that Michigan State team was going to turn out to be. Maybe they maybe they knew, but I don't think people on the outside knew. Uh, hey, Ted, we'll let you go. Thanks for jumping on with us uh, this week, and uh, you going to be there Saturday night to see the Wildcats and the Hawkeyes. No, I'm scared. I'm not going to show, David. <laughs> better find a replacement. <laughs> I'll see you there. Thanks, my friend. Okay, thanks so much. Okay. Bye. And our guest on Collegiately Speaking this week, tight end for the Northwestern Wildcats out of Peoria, Illinois, Charlie Mangieri. Uh All right, Charlie, getting ready for Iowa on Saturday night, a night game at Ryan Field against the Hawkeyes, a team that was ranked second uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and it, a team that's been a rival for you guys for a long time, a very impressive win out there last year. Let's kind of talk a little bit, though, about where you feel you guys are right now going into this game. Yeah, uh, obviously uh, not where we want to be. Um, Record-wise, but you know we feel like we got a good feel on Iowa. Um, it's a big week for us. It's uh, one we always got highlighted um, on the schedule. So really excited to play them. Obviously, their defense is pretty stout coming from a tight end standpoint. So looking forward to uh, having another physical matchup just like last year. And uh, I think we're ready to go. Um, getting done with the uh, the physical days of practice. Yeah, I'm trying to think of when when the last non-physical game you played really was because you look at yeah. at Michigan and then last week uh, Minnesota. I mean, it just seems like it's been one after the other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, playing in the Big Ten, you're you're kind of expecting a, a lot of physical matchups, um, pretty much all the way down the stretch. Coming from the West, you know, got a lot of good defensive teams, mm-hmm. so always got to. Be ready and uh, stay on our feet with that physical matchup and just get in the right mindset to uh, to dominate the line of scrimmage coming from a tight end. Charlie, do you feel like uh, there's one thing, if you had to fix one thing on this offense right now, would it maybe be the way you guys have performed in the red zone? Because it seems like you'll get a good drive together and then you get down there and it's that, it's that one key mistake will kind of knock you off your heels a little bit and you come away with nothing. 
Right, absolutely. Just like you said, you know, we got to capitalize in the red zone. I think um, that's what all good teams do, and that's what we've been uh, working on a lot. So we got a good, uh, a lot of good plays drawn up in the red zone, and just kind of giving it to the, to the hands of the coaches and just trusting that uh, they'll do their job and we'll execute when it comes to that time. Give me an idea of how you see your role uh this year i mean you're one of the veteran guys on this offensive team uh you've you've been a big part of the offense now going back to uh to 2018 the big 10 west the first big 10 west title uh where do you see yourself kind of fitting in right uh, i like to see myself more as like a leader of the offense now that i'm in a senior role um and been returning starting for uh like as a tight end so just looking over the tight ends, kind of making sure everyone's uh, ready to go. Um, and I think you see me more of a blocking type of tight end. That's how I see myself. So just kind of getting ready for that and getting ready for all the looks that we're going to see and just uh, execute on game days. You like that part of the game, right? Absolutely, yeah. I see myself as more of a gritty type of player, tight end, <laughs> uh, more of a bigger body um, with a hand down. Um, also, can also run some routes when needed and uh, called on. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty much my role. So, just embracing that role and um, kind of sticking to it and doing everything I can for the team in order to get some wins. This tight end room has gotten a little more crowded, hasn't it? I mean, you got and I mean these guys are playing too, along with you. You guys have started uh, with two tight ends quite a bit, uh, multiple tight end sets with you and Marshall Lang and and Thomas Gordon and kind of give me an idea and Trey Pugh how this has evolved and and the roles these guys are all playing how that's kind of evolved as the season's gone along absolutely you know we came in um with the mindset of being one of the better um position groups on the team and I think we've kind of flourished with that uh goal as well we got a lot of dogs at the tight end room now um which you might not have seen in years past so, like, talking about Trey Pugh, Marshall Lang, Thomas Gordon, you know, um, I think we all trust each other to do their jobs, uh, do our jobs, excuse me. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I want to kind of get your thoughts on what's it like when you look up and you see Avon Hall running 50 yards up the field away from the defense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just like I said, my role is more of a blocker. I, I uh, kind of – like to be unselfish and seeing our running backs and people we're blocking for get into the end zone. You know, there's no better feeling in the world. I'd almost rather prefer that than scoring my own touchdowns. It's a team sport, so you gotta you gotta love when your boys are scoring and getting into the end zone. It's no better feeling. Wow, that's a that's a great attitude to have. Now, I I got to take you back down memory lane a little bit because I I've been doing the games long enough to have called games when your uncles were playing for the Wildcats, the Sutter brothers and Ed yeah. Sutter and, and Danny Sutter, who was teammates with Coach Fitz on that 95 team. Yep. Now, yep. I, are, are you old enough to have really gotten a good opportunity to see them play, or you're, you're too young you never really saw them play for the Wildcats? Yeah, I, I never did. I was born in 99. I've heard a lot of stories, though, from my yep. parents. Um, so yeah, unfortunately didn't get to see them. Uh, wasn't able to go down to pass or over to Pasadena, but, uh, yeah, definitely is a topic of conversation in family gatherings and whatnot. Now you feel like you're kind of upholding a, a family tradition here? Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, um, when I committed, 
I uh, sent a picture to Coach Fitz. I was wearing a, a crew neck that said 1995-96 uh, <laughs> um, Big Ten Championships going to Pasadena. I was like, Coach, this is my goal. We're going to take you guys back. Um, obviously haven't gone to Pasadena yet, but we've uh, made a few Big Ten Championships, so I feel like um, I've been following in their footsteps a little bit, which is pretty cool. Now, it's not just your uncles, but it's uh, your brothers, too, uh, play football, Absolutely. right? Yeah, so I have three older brothers. Um, PJ played in Nebraska, started all four years as a long snapper, and then Nick played at Indiana and started as a defensive end for three years there, both for team captains. And then um, my older brother, Luke, got drafted by the Pirates um, back in 2018. So I've been blessed to uh, follow in their footsteps and kind of uh, get some advice on what to do, what not to do, and how to kind of – react to coaches coaching and uh just the flow of the game things get a little intense when uh, when you guys are matching up against indiana or against nebraska is there a little uh a little back and forth with your older brothers uh you know not as much as you think um it's obviously really cool playing in those stadiums where i was always um going to those home games it pretty much made every home game but yeah now my brothers are more cats fans than uh nebraska or indiana games or indiana fans um, I'm sure that might switch once I graduate, but but for now they're wearing they're wearing purple. Well, that's how it should be. That's how it should be. Yeah, uh, Charlie, I appreciate your time. What's the future look like for you? I, I know you're a senior, but everybody, uh, you know, they, the eligibility thing kind of got uh, off the off the t- uh, tracks a little bit last year with COVID. And uh, is this it for you? Do you are you going to come back and play again? You going to take a shot of the NFL? What's the future look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, for now, I'm planning on coming back, and then from there we'll see uh, where that takes me next season. So that's the plans for now. Very good. Well, I appreciate your time. Have a great game Saturday against the Hawkeyes. We'll see you out at Ryan Field. Thank you so much. It's great talking to you. The other games coming up in the Big Ten, you've got Illinois going up to play Minnesota this week, Ohio State on the road at Nebraska. Of course, the Buckeyes will take on Michigan State. That game is on the 20th. Indiana plays at Michigan this week. Michigan State on the road to play Purdue. That could be a tricky game maybe for the Spartans coming off that huge win over Michigan last week. Penn State at Maryland and Wisconsin which will host the Wildcats a week from Saturday uh, playing on the road at Rutgers. All right, you know what time it is, Dan. It's time for Super Joe's Prediction. Prediction to say or estimate a specified thing will happen in the future. Super Joe's predictions. And Dave, just as you uh, last talked about, Michigan State is traveling to Ross Aid Stadium in West Lafayette after that big win over my Wolverines. They are uh, giving three points to the Boilermakers, and this is definitely a game where you can be caught napping um, after a big game against your rival. Your you know first college football playoff rankings come out. You're you're ranked third. I don't think they get caught off guard. I think they are laser focused. They got big games left on their schedule, absolutely. But I think uh, going in there, as you guys said, Kenneth Walker, Heisman favorite, he's going to go in there, run all over them. I think they cover the three and then some. Yeah, I mean, they're going in there. Then they come home and play Maryland, and the Terrapins are struggling now before they go to Ohio State. So, I, Joe, I think that's a pretty good pick. Yeah, I was surprised to see that number where it was. I thought it would be closer to a touchdown. So I'm lucky that it's just a field goal right now. Who knows what it'll be, a kickoff. Maybe it will get closer to a touchdown. But, 
as for making the prediction right now, it'll be Michigan State by at least three. Okay. You heard it, Dan. You're with Joe on that, right? I think so. I do think it's going to be a tricky game because I think Purdue's playing pretty well. But I think if Michigan State, to Joe's point, can control the line of scrimmage and, and Kenneth Walker could have a nice game, it, it's going to be more than three. We're going to see Purdue in a couple of weeks at Wrigley Field. Uh, first up, Iowa this Saturday night, and then Wisconsin next week before that game at Wrigley. And this is actually the Wildcats' last game at Ryan Field this week. They're going to do Senior Day uh, this week, even though they've still got four games to play. It's a night game. Should be a great atmosphere Saturday. I know there's going to be a lot of Hawkeyes fans there, and uh, should be fun. Saturday night, 6 o'clock. Of course, we'll have it for you on WGN Radio beginning at 5.30. And uh, Dan, I will see you there on Saturday. Thanks as always. Yeah, excited for it, and it should be a great game. All right. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you next week. That's Dan Persa. Many thanks to him. Thanks to Ted Albrecht. Thanks to Charlie Mangieri of the Wildcats and, of course, Super Joe Romano. I'm Dave Ennett. Thank you for being with us this week, and we'll talk to you again next week on Collegiately Speaking.